Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, episode number 226. I'm your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number two, D. As always, or most of the time, I'm host number three, Dr. Corey Petty. What's going on today? Uh, welcome back. Um, what's going on today? Yeah, what's going on today? I, I, read, I read that um, in Prague, they have the most... Uh, ATMs per inhabitants, and I've never used a crypto ATM. So can we can we use one while we're there? Do we want to? I mean, we can. Sure, it's a I nightmare guess. though, and it might take a long time. No, we need a long time. Just to say we did well, it. Yeah, it sure. Depends. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I watched a guy um use an ATM for the first time in Austin on YouTube, and it took him two hours. What? to get his money yeah well it was at the height of everything right so it was 2017 last last yeah but why why did it take two hours what was that what was the hold up well it took that much to go through took that much to get that many confirmations so do we need atms for adoption to happen because it just seems like it's a nightmare no okay (laughs) we don't it's kind of ass backwards i don't get it but i kind of get it I, don't know. I guess if you, but, if like if you're around and you need cash to do something and you wanna you wanna use your Bitcoin to move that into cash as opposed to like using your debit account, then it's useful mm-hmm. because it's a well, way it, to do that without having to go like having to talk to somebody. It's just an automatic way of turning Bitcoin into into fiat cash if you need that. That's all it is. But you you're gonna pay a premium on it, and it's not gonna be the most efficient way to do that process. You just it has to be instant, which is the only reason you would ever want to do it. And if it takes two hours, then that's not gonna work. And that's not that's not the standard story for using a, a crypto ATM either, right? That's not no, that's not, not how it always works. It's like a you you pay a, an avoid a KYC tax. Pretty much, much but it's still, I mean, there's still like, it's not like the, the ATMs aren't keeping logs and information on who's doing the transactions. They, they have to, you know, they're the ones that are being hit with like, like potential regulations and, and paying fees on things. And so that's why you're paying the offset is that you're paying for convenience, not necessarily avoidance in my opinion. And so like they're they're keeping logs. They're keeping track of these things because when the IRS comes after them or asks them a question and they don't have answers, they're going to have some They've issues. Got You've got to pay. That's what the IRS would say. Um, I do know that ATMs are booming. You've got one of the that one of those companies. Um, it's funny when we got it when we were mining. I was in deep 
and I wanted to buy a Bitcoin ATM and put it in Austin. And I did a bunch of research and the company that I did research with Pegasus, I think they are, they just updated all their ATMs. Like they have a new, new, new line coming out. So they obviously were making some cheddar. So. Or they weren't making cheddar and they had to try and find a reason to start making cheddar. Yeah, but it, you're so they incurred more cheddar. capital to, to try and come up with a new line to increase usability or, or engage people because that. There's a lot of companies yeah. do that, right? They're not making money, so they have to come out with something new to try and make money to o- offset the amount of money they weren't making beforehand. Yeah, that is true. That could be the case as well. Go into more debt to try and get out of it. I'd be curious yeah. to see like how many crypto companies in this space are doing that thing or doing that, right? They're like their initial like white paper that made that they did their ICO with isn't making a lot of money or they, they they've realized they actually can't do the work they said they were going to do and they start pivoting. Yeah. My old company did that. They're not even called the same name anymore. Really? They changed the whole name? Yep. Because oh. they don't know what they're doing. Idiots. <laughs> um so Chell, you said something yesterday and I kind of refuted it. I think I think it was yesterday. It was in the Slack. Uh somebody said these things are basically just, oh JT was talking about how his a group at work was talking about cryptocurrencies. And then they said, Oh, it's basically just like stocks. Oh yeah. That's not the part I disagreed with. It was the part where hard work translates into the value of your coin, which is not correct. Nobody cares about your hard well, work. It, 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 he was saying the price of the coin reflects the strength of the company. That's and that's not, not how that's supposed to work. Right. And, and what JT was saying was he was, as he was typing the stuff in the Slack was that there's two guys next to me at this co-working space that are talking about crypto vigorously that have no idea what they're talking about. And I agreed with him. Yeah. And he's like, and he's like, and the other, then, he's like, then the guy just said, I'm going to make my own coin. And he's like, I can't wait to hear what it's going to be. Because <laughs> it's going to be awful. And I then naturally, I, they talked about Mexican food because yeah, they ran things to talk about with crypto. Because they don't know anything. Move over to churros because we're yeah. done with that conversation. <laughs> oh, okay. I think I took it out of context. I was like reading it while I was walking. Okay. Never mind. I, you were, I you were trying to... D is boot up right now, walking around with his with his girlfriend, trying to like pretend <laughs> pretend like he's not keeping up with the slack, and he's paying attention <laughs> to her. Uh, kind of, sorta. You could say it's like that. I got the uh, real news though. Did you hear Soldier Boy's new song? I haven't is heard it, it. Called Soldier Boy. Tell him about Bitcoin. Pretty much. How about I read some lyrics and then you tell me if he knows what the hell he's talking about? Yes. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, I got the lyrics right here. So I got on a computer and bought a Bitcoin. I'd be so fresh when I pull up new foreigns. Baby girl left her boyfriend. He too boring. I'm running up the bands on cryptocurrency. Send it through the PayPal or the cash app. Send it through the Bitcoin. Watch my band stack. That, that what the, is is that, what is Bitcoin he through PayPal? Who is, who is he rapping for? <laughs> like, a, like a four-year-old? I spent six thousand on the Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. I got the big coins. I wake up in the morning and I count my funds. I got Litecoins, Bitcoins. Yeah, they my favorite ones. Oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> I can't take it, man. Who's he rapping for? Four year olds? You get you don't just grab words out of the dictionary and throw them together. 
That's, Every that's, them. that's what most rappers do nowadays. Okay. So let me see if I is this is this a is this a good signal? Like what? What's it that? Is, it is good because I mean uh, we're in a time now where like if a rapper came out with a song about Amazon in 1998, imagine Jeff Bezos tweeting it like, "Oh, we got a shout out," and that's where we are right now. Charlie Lee tweeted out, "Oh man, I got a shout out about Litecoin." You know what I'm saying? I think 10 years from now, when this is like more mainstream, Roger Ver and Charlie Lee aren't going to take notice to a Soldier Boy song or okay. Royce the Five Nine dropping a Bitcoin lyric in an Eminem song. You know, it's just like we're so early now. Whenever you hear the word Bitcoin, everyone's ears just perks up. Okay, then here's the question. Like, because it's clear that like rappers who are rapping about this stuff, the vast majority like save uh, maybe a few have no idea what they're talking about. They're saying it because it's, it's, it's money and they rap about money in a bad way. And, and how long is it going to be until I, th and I think this is a sign of what ma mass adoption is, is um, it's so ingrained as to what this is and how it works that the rappers are rapping about it correctly. And like, and then like, because it's 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 obvious, like everyone knows, and so that like the lyrics make sense to the technology. Because right now it's like I bought money, it's money, 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 and, and there's no like reasoning behind it. They're just they're just saying that basically. Yeah, it's like uh, I'll use an extreme example, but you always hear rappers talking about cooking up coke. Like, what if they incorrectly rapped about cooking up coke? They'd be laughing stocks in the community. But you can say, oh, I bought Bitcoin through my PayPal and then make another word that rhymes with PayPal and it's acceptable and you'll get shout outs from Charlie Lee. I think That's... I can rap better than Soldier Boy. I wouldn't doubt it. Hold on, let me see if I can. But you don't have the following. Hold on. Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. That's my favorite money. Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. That's my bread. Need no honey. There we go. That's it. <laughs> Write it down. <laughs> Write it down. That's my producer. I don't need no honey. That's the chorus. Yeah, I mean, Corey, you brought up something really interesting that someone can rap about it incorrectly and and it's still acceptable. Your, your analogy with the Coke stuff is, is appropriate because like the only people who would care about that are the people who make Coke because not everyone knows how to cook Coke or like what the correct chemical procedure is. Yeah. And like you can say whatever you want and everyone's like, yeah, he's doing drugs. And so, but the, that beats fat. And so, like, like it, it doesn't matter. Like, there's this, it's a small subset of people that may be outraged at the at the incorrectness of what he's saying. And we're the same. We're that small group of people for for Bitcoin. Eventually, eventually, there's going to be like a you know, like it's going to be so commonplace that it's he'll say it correctly, and there like there's because yeah, I mean, it's kind of cool. I, I think we do need celebrities. To, to put a kibosh on that's the thing about crypto though is that if you're doing well in the fiat system you the amount of fucks you give about cryptocurrency are so minute like they just it, it's it's like why we don't need new money i got money i got a lot of money and it's good you know so a lot of rappers don't care that much and you know i wouldn't expect them to I was hoping that Nas would speak up ever about his investments in Coinbase and how many yachts he has because of it, but that dude is laying low. Well, I mean, so, it's the market, so it's not it's not cool to rap about something that's not making money. Yeah, but and you know what? I think? Go for it. I think he exited. 
I think he exit he he was an angel investor and he exited out and now Coinbase is really blowing up and he hasn't really because if he blew up off of that Coinbase investment then you know rappers you'll be like oh yeah Jay Z's a billionaire well guess what yeah I am too now so my favorite line off the song is I'm a hustler I be on the internet stacking so it's like it's like acceptable now to be like an internet hustler. I feel like that's where most of the hustling's going on these days. Yeah. Old school hustles are not fun, but I, I'm starting to appreciate it more. Like building a thing and then selling it and then building multiples of the thing and then selling it over and over and like over again. Like out the back of your trunk hustle or like just like just just a, just the overall build and grind? Just a build and like it doesn't like remember cello was like what five years ago when i first started teaching you were like i think i want to uh what was it leather print leather oh leather yeah I forgot about that pressing or something you it's just leathering like you can buy a strip of leather and then you buy some dye and if you stitch it together and make a wallet you can like eight times your money per wallet yeah and i was like man that sounds like it'd be really fun relaxing and profitable if we make decent wallets like just to make a thing and sell it. It's such a simple. I just I also want to open up a snow cone stand because snow cones are just water and you sell them for like five bucks. <laughs> water and water and sugar <laughs> and sir, yeah. sugar syrup. The overhead yeah. is insane. I got I got a snow cone at a fair and they didn't put the syrup in it, like a lot of syrup in it. And I was like, You just I'm eating ice. Yep. Yeah. yeah, no shit, man. That's what you're that's literally what you're doing. <laughs> you knew that walking into it. Yeah, but you don't know that walking into it. You go into it thinking, this is about to be delicious. It's going to be strawberry or coconut, something delicious. And then you're just like, I'm just eating ice. What the fuck? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't like Soldier Boy talking about anything, really. Um, well, like, but... no one's taking him seriously. No one's, like, going to him for investment advice. If they are, they're, they're dumb. Or, like, like, you know, like... I'm gonna learn how to. I'm gonna learn about Bitcoin by listening to Soldier Boy or any rapper. Mm-hmm. I don't learn about anything by like listening to rappers. I, I do it because it's probably got you know a good beat, <laughs> and it's something I can nod my head to. Somebody in the Slack just Lucian says Lucian from uh, uh, Dose of Ether said the fact that he released this song now makes me think he bought at the top and that needs to sell music again because of the bear market. <laughs> oh no, he, he obviously didn't read the lyrics, made a million off Bitcoins, I went platinum. Oh, wow. Oh, this is, everything is true, right? Everything he raps about in real life? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> here's, the deal, uh, here's the deal with Soldier Boy. The reason why he still has a job, and I know this for 100% fact, is because they still play Crank That Soldier Boy in football stadiums and on MTV commercials, and he still gets residual checks off that. Uh, none of his new music is making any substantial money. I guarantee it. Mm-hmm. So well, I, I guarantee you he's not buying Bitcoin. Might be. On to other things. You posted an interesting debate, Joe, uh, between Charlie Lee and Roger Bear and Slack. No, I didn't watch it. I didn't watch that. Uh, interesting. I, but I, I, I did I, watch it. I don't get and, debates. And I'm now 100% sure. That was not a debate either. These are just two people having arguments. Bad a arguments. Debate is not, a debate is not an argument. A debate is... Well, two, debates are arguments. They're definitely arguments. They're 
people have arguments that they present for their they okay. have statements that they have. But I think a debate is you've got somebody in the middle who's who's objective. Asking who's specific asked, questions. Yes, very specific questions and keeping people on track. And maybe even there's a scoring system for like, oh, every time that you say Bitcoin Cash is for freedom and Bitcoin Cash feeds babies, you're going to lose points because that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Like I, a I just don't see the point. If no one's opinions are getting swayed and it's just like, pause, I'll tell you why I'm a maximalist. And then now it's your turn to tell me why you're a maximalist. And we go back and forth. It just seems like people well, who are in the Roger Ver army, they have their leader. And then people who are like over here, Jimmy Song or Charlie Lee, they have their leader and they're it's just like this war, like two wars clashing. They're just they're just childless conversations. They're not they yeah. don't push they don't push the space anywhere. Right. It's just distracting. But That's all it is. Debates are typically not for the parties debating, it's for the people watching the debate to make up their minds. But Did your, mind, your mind get swayed? My mind didn't get swayed. My mind got more made up that Roger Ver doesn't know what the hell he's talking about anymore. I don't know if he ever did. I think he understands some basic principles about Bitcoin, and that's gotten him really far. But when Charlie Lee was like, re, like rebuttaling with like the technical reasoning as to why what Roger Ver was saying was bullshit, he just would like either make a joke or change the subject or look straight into the camera and say Bitcoin Cash is freedom or something like that. And it was just really sad to see such a... What it is, is I think it's a sign of the times that... And what really... What hard forks really do is... Um, you know, there used to be cohesiveness between the Bitcoin community. A lot of it. And now you just... You see Charlie Lee having to make like really simple arguments to Roger Ver about why he's wrong. And then it's just a sign of what hard for hard forks do. Well, you have like a, I don't know. I think it's, it's somewhat natural that this is happening based on the hard forks that, that have happened. Cause if you look at the people who were typically arguing, it's, um, networks that kind of are trying to solve the same set of problems, right? You don't have people from Ethereum in, in, in these, in these arguments or people from, uh, like other all of the other networks that are trying to grow up, like Cosmos or Tendermint, things like that. It's the it's typically Litecoin, Bitcoin, and Bitcoin Cash that are all kind of infighting because they're trying to gain mindshare of the people who are looking for the same solution. So, do you feel like Vitalik is taking an L by not participating? In not at all. I don't think that, I don't feel that at all because, like, while they're doing all of this stuff and infighting. More often than not, the people in the Ethereum space, based on my experience being in the space, is they're just they're just they're building stuff and trying to make it better. Or they're not they're not participating in these conver childish conversations that go nowhere because it's a waste of time for everyone involved. But if you feel like you have to gain the mindshare of people who are watching these things or educate them so that they can have better answers, then you have to participate. But I don't think Ethereum's trying to like solve the same problems that you know Litecoin, Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash are doing in terms of like basically a sound money. They're trying to be a sound money or a or a value of exchange, medium of exchange. And I and I feel yeah. like a lot of the networks who are trying to build things right now, maybe that's a consequence of the system that they're doing, but it's not the main motivator for building it. Yeah. Ethereum's got a very uh 
Teddy Roosevelt approach. What is it? Whisper a lot. Have Speak big softly. Dick energy. <laughs> no. Big dick energy, right? Yep. Didn't he say that's, big, that's what, that's what he said? Energy. Yeah. It's definitely what was the quote. That, that's what's in the history books, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt. Whisper a lot and carry big dick energy. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm kidding. It was, you know, we all know, speak softly, big stick. That's what Ethereum does, though, is they, they speak softly. Well, hopefully. I mean, we um, still don't know. Right? It may, like, I don't know, proof of stake may suck. I, I doubt it. Highly, really highly. And I don't think they're going to implement it unless it doesn't work. Um, but there's a lot of things that have to change in order for it to work really, really well for the masses. And no one's there yet. A lot of people make promises. No one's there yet. Yeah. Oh, there what is I, one thing I wanted to talk about. Go for it. Um, I think town hall meetings are dumb. Go for it. <laughs> town hall meetings. Okay, so oh, like uh, this is this is probably in reference to like like status is a a software company, a decentralized software company that um makes like open source software. And a part of that means we have developer meetings or town hall meetings that where we tell our company what other parts of the company are working on. So it's like a it's like a community update within within the company. Um, there are there is a tremendous amount of uh, open source software developers that contribute to us that aren't privy to the conversations we have internally. And so in order to help them keep and keep in touch as well as like increase transparency of what we're working on within the company and how we make decisions. We live stream all of our, all of our meetings. Live. So like through town halls, through our uh, dev meetings, through tech talks, whatever we're doing, we're live streaming and put it to our YouTube channel. Cello thinks they're dumb. I'm, I'm saying in what cases is this hundred percent transparency appropriate and helpful and what other cases is it distracting or a burden and i feel like these decentralized companies are just being transparent for the sake of being transparent and they're not truly trying to help people make better decisions or feel a greater sense of trust and you know if you have all these town hall meetings and i'm not part of the team what what's my incentive for joining because i don't even want to go to meetings in companies that i work for and i think it's having a critical threshold to decide what's actually good for everyone to know what's not a secret, but needs context. What is actually genuinely might be a secret and we shouldn't share it because you don't want everyone panicking about something. So I think transparency is a spectrum. And if you don't, if, if you make everything hundred percent public, you could be wasting people's time or confusing them. And every week people have town hall meetings, town hall meetings. I'm like, what's the important stuff. Maybe we should filter it out and just give people the stuff that they need to know. Um, it I is think unique to this space. Go ahead, D. I, I think it's unique to this space uh, because, especially with something with a company like Status, where it is decentralized, and there's a lot of people that are banking on the success of Status, like for more reasons than just financial. Um, that you have to give them the opportunity to kind of know what's going on. One, I don't think anything's fully transparent with these town hall meetings. It can't be. It's, it's a business. There's stuff people don't know. Everybody's on a need-to-know basis at different layers. So the fact that you're being transparent, I'm going to throw some big-ass quotations on that. I'll, 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 be, just... I'll be clear as day. I, I'm, the, I'm the security engineer of the company, and there are a lot of things that do not go in town hall meetings. There's not a lot of conversation 
um, about yeah. these things because they don't need to be talked about. Like if there's a vulnerability that we haven't disclosed yet to the public because we're working on fixing it, we're not going to blast that out. Yeah, it's like that's, that's not, that's not like how this works. But here's what the reason for them is because there's a like the company's large. There's a, over 100 people within status that is completely decentralized. There's no home base that we all get together and have meetings in where we have to we have to keep up with each other within the company through online meetings. And the lift of going from having those meetings and live streaming those meetings is almost nothing. So there's no reason why we wouldn't allow the outside community, community like developer community, which contributes a tremendous amount to building our software to have access to these meetings. Because there's no other way in which they could figure out the types of things that we're prioritizing, what we're currently working on, uh, where problems are within those things that we're working on. There's no way for them to get that information other than asking questions through the GitHub. And so if we're going to have those conversations, which we have to because we're decentralized, there's no reason we wouldn't we wouldn't broadcast it. Because I just I, I don't get the contributor thing. It's like if I'm not working for status, why am I looking for bugs and because because we pay like, people to do that. Exactly, but you don't pay people to join the meetings. No, but if they want to contribute, if they if they need information to make their contribution more efficient, they need to have access to these conversations. Yeah, that makes them do better at it. Like we pay everybody who contributes to to to, to solving bugs within the software. We have mad, we have big bug bounty programs. We work with Gitcoin. There's other if you contribute to us, you're probably going to get paid for it. I mean, yeah. That that makes sense, but if I'm not a contributor, then don't join. There's no reason for you to join, but there That's are reasons true. for people to join. The host of uh, Dose of Ether says that it's important when retail investors are putting serious money in the project. All right. Well, then maybe or... you need to know how what the internal workings are for a company like this. How we do, yeah. how we make decisions, how we solve issues, how we work together. Is that efficient? What type of people are, are like? What type of issues are we looking at? Like, and like, where is the current? If you know the problem set of a given company, and you can look at that, then you can make better decisions on. Um, how well they're doing and like the meetings that you're watching are all of the meetings that we're having there aren't like secret internal meetings where we talk about the real problems we're broadcasting everything and so if you would like to make a good decision an informed decision as an investor in terms of like how well we work as a company and whether or not we're going to be able to produce the thing that we say we're going to produce then having access to that could be very valuable because otherwise you wouldn't be able to make that decision well, D believes that those aren't all the meetings that are going on. And you're saying that it is all the meetings that are going on. For the most part, yeah. In terms of like where we, what we're prioritizing, what we're currently working on uh, within the company, in the disparate parts of the company, uh, how things are progressing from week to, week to by week to by week. We're not, we're not, we're not doing everything, but I'd say it's about 95% of things. Because some things just need to be discussed yeah. internally a little further before we broadcast. And, and the things that get put into the town halls are, are the results of teams working together on things that isn't being broadcasted. So they're like, they come together and say, all right, so we've gotten to this point. We've reached this milestone. Let's talk about it in the town hall so the rest of the company knows we got here. And then they can expect accordingly. Or like, you know, if they want to contribute, this is how they can do it. Things this like is that. commercial. That's the way I see it. It's, I see it's, it it's a, a town hall. You go to go to a, go to a city council town hall. They're not talking about everything, but they're trying to like talk about all the like, current issues and get you know the rest of the company's weigh in on what's currently happening and where yeah. it's going. 
I see town hall meetings like not in the the crypto definition, but in the meat meat space definition of it's just a commercial for your local government to show you that they're actually working. But there's no products though. Huh? We have a product. Products. Well, it's not going to be a product of government, man. That's 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 got nuance. Well, there's there's there's. Cello, goals if you want to results. your government, go hit the light switch, and when they come on, you say, hey, thanks, government. Well, there's goals and results. Like, hey, we're putting in a new uh, stoplight at this thing because uh, someone got in a wreck. Or, like, you know, we're fixing the roads yeah. on this part of the things because those need to prioritize. Or, yeah. uh, you know, shit like that, right? And people need to know what's going on so they can weigh in on the conversation if they want to. A lot of people don't yeah. participate in that. A majority of people don't participate in that. But there are that do, and that that means it's worth it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it, I guess you can find your value in it. And maybe it doesn't have any for you, Joe. It doesn't have much for, for, for me. Honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go check them out. But, it, here's uh, Cello's it's argument. It's not that. It's here's Cello's argument. argument. That... Yeah, can I say it for you? I want, I want to see if I have it right. Sure. You don't work for free. That's work. It, it, that's, that's a big part of it. But it, there's, there's just, I'm not saying that it doesn't provide value. I'm saying it could actually hurt the value wow. as well. I, you know, if you indiscriminately make everything public, you things change. You could be confusing these people. You could be wasting people's times. And your argument is that the transparency is trying to help people make better decisions, not so much make people feel a greater sense of trust or people who find tremendous value watching founders work. It, it's it, that's a small audience. So I, I'm thinking that a lot of these meetings happen for developers sake to help aid the project. But if, if these town hall meetings were aimed at the general public to say, Hey, here's how we work. We are fully transparent. I don't think that that's a wise move. No, we have docs for that. We have a, we have a website for that. I don't think everybody needs that context. Man, I don't work for free. Hell no. (laughs) It's like, I'm not going to go to meetings. I don't want to go to my own meetings. Yeah. Uh, I, just, I just thought it was uh, it was worth bringing up because I see Blockstack holding them. I see a lot of other companies holding them, and I was just like, "Who's who's going to these?" My my personal so like, opinion is that there it's it's a very it's a very light lift to go from having the meetings you need to have to have to be organized within your with your within your organization and publishing those meetings. And because that step is very light, you don't need to do much work to enable that. You're enabling a lot more, like the the profit or or results of doing it is better than not doing it and since it's not a lot of work why not do it because you have to have those meetings when you have decentralized organizations like we have to we have to get together and talk about things about what we're working on where things are going and how things are moving and mm-hmm. like uh, and and project where we think that's going to go in the near future otherwise the company doesn't know what it's doing and then you get a lot of inefficiencies in terms of people doing the same work, working on things that no one cares about, shit like that. So if you don't, if you don't have these yeah. meetings and have regular syncs on like the current state of things, then then your company's going to be efficient and you're wasting money. Got to talk those KPIs. Yeah. Talk those, uh, got to talk those performance metrics. Yeah. That's right. Are we hitting the 0.85% or what? Uh, all right. Let's, let's move over to the interview because it's a really good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is it? So <laughs> Jesus is the uh, former CEO of uh, Satoshi Labs and Trezor. We had her on like th- three years ago, so there's a lot to unpack. And she just joined Casa as 
to lead strategy and business development. Indeed, so. you had asked me to use like, I can't wait to get Alina back on the show. I, I, I want to talk to her. It's going to be great. I, lo- I love her. Yeah. And then we get her back on, you're like, I can't make it. Yeah, man. I guess life happens that way. I, you know, sorry, I missed you, Alina. I'm sure you'll be back on the show, uh, hopefully sooner than three years. Um, but uh, sometimes it bees that way. That's what they say in the business. Well, she was uh, she was deeply involved in the launch of the Casa Note for Lightning and Bitcoin, and she uh, we're gonna dive into that in the next few weeks. So, well, Casa Hoddle is what they say. I like it because um, it's 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 bridging the gap between Corey's industry and my industry. Literally, they're doing a good job. They're they're, they're solving a, a tremendous service um, to the education of people on how to how to properly hold this technology and use it for for large sums mm. like you know okay. like i guess before we get into it like like there's a there's a push for um a lot of custodial services because we've said before people don't really give a shit um and they just they just want they just want to put their money somewhere and have it be safe and that either means you have companies like coinbase hold on to it for you and you don't really own it or you use something like casa where they teach you how to own it properly and you have full control over it. So it's you're self sovereign with your money. And you know that note costs three hundred bucks. Yeah. Score, Corey. Got that shit for free. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta you gotta pay. We don't. The problem about te- <laughs> Yeah. We get free shit. Yep. Um the problem about teaching is that um they're still gonna blame you if they fuck it up. So I hope they're ready for that. I hope they're ready for the blowback. Oh, no, that, that, I think awesome. that they did a pretty good job of putting in a lot of ways in which you can recover these things and not fuck it up. Like, I think that's that's why it's it's done so well. No doubt. All right. Well, without further ado, here it is. Let's, let's talk about it. Uh, today, I'm here with Alina Vanova, and she's been up to quite a lot since we had her on quite a while ago, maybe a year and a half or two years ago. And... Uh, I'm excited to have her back to discuss what she's been up to, what she her recent announcements with Casa Hoddle, and uh, where she sees that going and, and what its implications are. So welcome to the show again. Thank you very much, Corey. How are you? Good. And for those who don't know, um, can you give people like a, a quick introduction as to like how you got into the space and who, what you used to do and, and uh, what you're doing now? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a business developer. Uh, developed a few successful businesses, quite large businesses before crypto uh, for probably a, a decade, uh, mainly in the financial, uh, traditional finance, you know, insurance, uh, banking and so on. And then um, I realized that there's something like Bitcoin in 2010 when I was researching international monetary system uh, for my for my thesis uh, at the at the uh, you know uh, university of of or college of international uh, relations in Prague, and uh, 2013 I co-founded Satoshi Labs, uh, the company known for creating the first hardware wallet, Trezor, and I left the company last year, early last year, uh, to kind of continue building uh, the the path for sovereign Bitcoin holder or hodler depending on which which grammar side are you on <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic by the way that that uh bitcoin is rewriting grammar 
Yeah, I know. And then, then you see Holder and you your your alarms go like, no, that's not right. <laughs> it's Butler. <laughs> it's interesting to see it. And then you see like kind of like the sub memes that have spun off of that with like the builder and all that stuff like that. That yes. are, people are using it as like a, I don't know, just different memes for different types of people. Um, so tell us about like Kazahal and what, what its what its purpose is and where your role is inside of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've, I've been working for several months in stealth mode with CASA uh, as a head of strategy uh, to you know build up the, the, the plans for the next few years ahead um, and build basically a plan how to achieve better security and better sovereignty for individuals in Bitcoin. And that is uh, uh, basically the overall vision, a sovereign Hodler, um, uh, but it of course nails down to to specifics and specific products. And the first product, uh, the, 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 the let's say leading our flagship product of Casa, is a uh, Casa Keymaster. Uh, it's a premium uh, service. It's basically a concierge service um, that. Uh, consists of several components. Uh, one of the components is software. Um, it's an app, a multi-sig app for that that builds on top of multi-sig, multi-device, and multi-location principle. Um, our clients currently are already using it's fully functional. Um, they uh, basically get a, a client advisor that's twenty-four-seven available uh, for them that helps them onboarding, that helps them testing the multi-sig structure system on where to store and distribute their hardware keys. Because all the principle is basically we are not reinventing any wheels here. We are building on top of what uh, what Trezor has uh, has laid as foundation. So um, each, each of our client has uh, a three of five multi-sig structure. Uh, set up where he owns four of the keys. So he's in complete ownership. In order to move the funds, he only needs three of the keys. Um, and so one of the keys on their phone, uh, uh, three other keys are hardware wallets, and that's uh, Trezor and the Ledger. We we also advise our clients to distribute amongst different hardware wallets. And then we also help them kind of figure out where are the good locations to distribute their keys. Now. Uh, why we do this is because, um, we, you know, Trezor has solved uh, the majority of the digital uh, threats that are there for Bitcoiners, like viruses and hackers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also it is a completely new paradigm to have a hardware wallet with a recovery seed and to oh, yeah. protect that seed. It For some people, it was really difficult, like just to think, oh, now I have this paper and if I lose that paper, what happens? How should I, where should I keep it? So CASA um, uh, uh, brings a new experience or this experience to a new level where we go completely seedless. So we Hmm. do away with the seeds because when you think of it by creating multi-sig structure, you you want to achieve better security, distribution of keys. Uh, But then if you have to protect uh, five uh, different seeds, you actually increase your risk exposure. Right. So yeah. doing away with the seed just makes sense. 
um, no, it's just so uh, worry-free, you know, <laughs> being without the seed, not worrying about that. In case you lose one of the hardware wallets, uh, you can simply rotate, you do a key rotation to a new multi-sig structure because you need, you still have at least four of, of the keys. Uh, if you lose two, there is still CASA that has one backup key, like a recovery key for you uh, to, to assist you with that. Um, so this is this is like the, the 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 software side. Of course, it comes with uh, with uh, this advisor. There, that's a that's a big deal for a lot of people, because even though we have customers that have a very advanced setup, they use multisig with Electrum, for example. Okay, they still uh, appreciate to have someone on the phone. They still appreciate the entire service that comes with it, um, and yeah. And then another aspect of, of the distribution of the keys is a protection against physical risk. So mainly last the last, let's say, one or two years, I've been noticing an increased amount of physical attacks, extortions, kidnappings. Uh, and today you could say that mostly like the Bitcoiners that are exposed, that are public, are, uh, are in danger. Um, but I think long term, and you know, uh, seeing uh, millions and millions uh, new Bitcoiners streaming into crypto through Coinbase, for example, uh, giving away all the KYC AML materials mm -hmm. or their identities, their their addresses, their personal data, creating effectively a huge honeypot. So I'm kind of worried that if, and I hope not, but if that would be hacked and revealed, then all of a sudden you have 25 million people who own Bitcoin or who could own Bitcoin with their addresses and with their individual data, uh, personal data revealed. So we could potentially face, you know, a much larger uh, uh, risk in, in as a system, as as a community, uh, and that that's a, an important factor in Casa. With this distribution of keys, the attacker, you know, when he comes to you and holds your gunpoint, for example, uh, and then realizes, oh, but you know what? I, in order to transfer my bitcoins, I actually need to go to see my lawyer because he has one of the hardware wallets, and I have to go to my office because there's a the third hardware wallet, and then he will think twice, or that's at least our assumption yeah. um, that uh, that his risk, the cost of risk for for uh, the criminal increases uh, exponentially, and is probably not worth. Uh, the attack. Uh, can we solve uh, all the criminality? I don't think so, <laughs> but we can help uh, um, by by a huge um, portion to to tackle that. And yeah, yeah, it's it's this, it's one of those. This like, is the first thing. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, continue. Sure. I was saying, like, I, I like that it's an interesting approach because you've gone in a similar way that a lot of, um, I guess security principles in the traditional app space have gone with like multi-factor authentication everywhere um, because mm -hmm. what that does more often than not is distributes the attack surface in such a way that it becomes increasingly more difficult for an attacker to get what they want because they have yes. to get multiple things in multiple different places that have different types of way, uh, ways of getting them um, yep. and because of that they are if if things trend naturally towards that where it's the standard then 
people are just less motivated to do it in general because they they understand all of the difficulties associated with getting things done. Um, also, it allows people to be heavily in control of what they're doing as opposed to relying on someone else to do it. And Exactly. And the principle of self-custody, I think it's very important. And I think it's very important to understand and to to preach yeah. <laughs> almost in, in Bitcoin. Uh, because I, I, I've noticed a lot of like uh, custodian services popping up and vaults and whatnot. That breaks the basic principles and uh, the philosophy of Bitcoin as a peer-to-peer uh cash well it's difficult because like like, i don't know um people don't into it the way this is supposed to work because of the way they've done things for and like throughout all of history with the internet and um and what you've what you've basically done with casa is identified the real problem with the technology is not the technology but it's the people as it always is people don't understand what how to use this stuff or and they need counseling on how to do it and if all of our counseling comes from custodial services that are doing the same old stuff, then it's not going to change. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, Casa is basically uh, not trying to keep ownership of your crypto, but is there to hold your hand if you need it. And that is uh, something very valuable because Bitcoin is still, even for for investors such as family offices, uh, small funds, uh, small companies, uh, this is a great solution because they do not need to enter another risk by using a third-party service, but they they keep their uh, assets themselves in an easy, easy form. By the way, uh, we are building everything through user experience and through a, an amazing uh, interface and design. We have one of the best designers of the world, uh, and I'm very proud to say that. And, uh, he, uh, his name is Scott Herf. Um, he was the uh, designer of Tinder, uh, inventor of the super like. I don't know if there are any of our listeners using Tinder. <laughs> well played. <laughs> um, they, they may know that uh, feature, um, and and he's great because he's never he's not a Bitcoiner, uh, and he thinks as a as a uh, real person, right? <laughs> real person. I mean, no, a no coiner. I hate that. I hate that name. But uh, the, for let's use it for the sake of purpose of uh, describing people outside of Bitcoin. So. Um, everything, everything what we build uh, tries to bridge the security and user experience uh, to, to bring it to a level where normal people will be comfortable, non-techies would be comfortable with their holdings. Uh, now, this is specific towards holdings, though, because I feel like a, 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 a setup like this is for like incredible security and safety. I mean, it's, it's, it's usable, but not usable at an everyday level, right? You're not, oh. you're not having a setup like this to then, you know, buy certain things. You're doing it for uh, a significant percentage of your investment portfolio. Yes, it's the it's a it's exact parallel to having a super secure vault uh, mm-hmm. for your uh, what you think is secure in a bank. We could debate about the security of your money in a bank, um, <laughs> but <laughs> because basically when you think of it, uh, whatever you uh, hand out to a bank is not your money, technically speaking neither legally speaking it belongs to the bank the moment you put the money in the bank account you just they, the bank just in that moment owes you a certain amount of money right in, in a sense this protocol that you've laid out that you've laid out here is the most secure way to store money ever yes, yes. generally and so 
exactly and so for so, you know if you if you're uh, your bitcoins if you need to do transfers that's uh, that's uh, typically like a hot wallet uh, scenario that's something that you you know as as the same way you carry cash in your uh, in your wallet in your pocket right mm-hmm. uh, or you have some debit card for for small shoppings uh, yeah, you can still do that, uh, but Casa is really uh, uh, super secure. Uh, it's like a fortress <laughs> for your bitcoins. So, what about what about because the the space is growing um, quite a bit, and there's a lot of people outside the Bitcoin space, but the 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 problems are the exact same in those other blockchains, like Ethereum and all the other ones that are potentially growing mm-hmm. as large. Um, what do you, are you are you offering services to those types of networks too, or are you sticking only to Bitcoin? We are, um, we say we are Bitcoin first uh, company. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if, uh, but also the vision is a sovereign hodler. And yeah. if our, if our clients uh, hold a substantial amount of their wealth in Ether or uh, whatever else, we will, of course, try to help them secure that as well. The problem with Ether is there is no native multisig in Ether. <laughs> so currently, um, we are not very comfortable uh, building anything on top some of, of some smart contract that would not be validated at least uh, throughout the community. Um, but we are actively working with with uh, Ethereum community to to kind of have some standard yeah. or, or at least standardized very simple smart contract. For me, ideal would be to have a, a native uh, multisig, but it's probably not going to happen not easily in either. And in other currencies, uh, probably the same scenario, right? Yeah. So Bitcoin first, uh, uh, of course, uh, and our clients are important and to secure their wealth. Yes, we will. We will try to to bring more and more uh, currencies under the hood, if that's the necessity in case. Um, for to, to achieve, I wanted to tackle also uh, one more component of the, the service that we provide, which is, um, you know, uh, I, I'm trying to see it as a holistic uh, problem. Okay, the, so it's not just like having this distribution of keys and uh, being completely secure on that level, but also uh, using your own full node is uh, super important for your sovereignty, right? Mm-hmm. And for the sustainability and for the health of the, the Bitcoin network. So recently we um, launched Casa Note, uh, which is basically, uh, you know, Raspberry Pi uh, in a nice uh, case. Those are all of the sh- of the shelf parts. But the, what we what we put a lot of work into is the uh, the software, and so we made it possible for an everyday user uh, to set up his Bitcoin full node and a Lightning Network node uh, in just a few clicks. And we, I think, achieved like a, uh, you know, this uh, very smooth, shiny, uh, polished and and, uh, like an app interface, so no more command lines. And this is a a component to the sovereignty of of, uh, Bitcoin and it's that's uh, extremely important and has been very uh, quirky until now. Um, it is a uh, part of the premium service, but we also decided to open up the 
the um, the uh, pre-orders to to the note for the outside world so you can go to keys.casa and order your uh, casa note today uh, that's that's another part also we are you know trying to bring like little perks uh, that are important uh, uh, but more uh, you know um, like the feel-good part, uh, such as like we have a, uh, our own Faraday bags uh, for the hardware wallets. Oh, uh, cool. We, uh, we send out uh, uh, weekly uh, security updates to our uh, premium customers about what's happening, like the most important things that they should know mm-hmm. are happening from Bitcoin and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited about the kind of the the lightning node because I feel like having people just have nodes that also run lightning nodes along with them in their house to just kind of sit there and, and give them an interface to to this world does exactly what you said. It, it it's it's super important for self sovereignty as well as the health of the network itself and and uh, and enabling it in a few easy clicks is a good way to get people to actually do it as opposed to just thinking about doing it and we've i've set up lightning nodes at home and it's it's not fun and and i'm technically savvy right yes yes that's right (laughs) yeah i'm excited about that i'd like to get my hands on one when i can just to just to play around with it and kind of like talk about it and see if i can get that word out yeah please do please do so what's on the roadmap? Like, where do you where do you see things going from here? Like, what are you what are you trying to accomplish over the next over the next year? Um, we well, uh, <laughs> we have uh, we haven't ha- we haven't done much marketing so far uh, because we are already overwhelmed with demand. Yeah. Uh, this is and remember, this is a premium service. Uh, our customers are paying ten thousand dollars a year. Um, and but we've we've seen an overwhelming demand. So basically, the the next steps for us is to really scale uh, on the client service side, and to to be present on each continent mm-hmm. possible. Uh, so we'll be opening some uh, some um, uh, offices in Europe, in Asia, uh, and basically focusing on that customer experience and the client service. That's that's the most important. Of course, we have some uh, um, ideas for the future, but that's, uh, that's for the next. Not that's yet. For All the right, next that's one. for the next one. Okay, <laughs> I gotta try to try and sneak out what you can whenever we get the chance to talk to y'all. And I, I think that's a really good, I guess, focus for the next year is because I see custodial services um, becoming much, much, much more popular, especially with looming um, like regulatory compliance coming down the pipeline, people are, are going to become more comfortable investing a large portion of their wealth into Bitcoin. And they need services like this to teach them how to do it properly, as opposed to relying on someone else to take care of it for them, which doesn't, yeah. which doesn't help the idea of what's possible with this technology. Exactly. So the, the, just one little comment that I'd like to, to, to voice is that, you know, we, we are uh, starting with this premium level service and I'm aware that is not 
accessible for everyone right now. Mm -hmm. And we really want to make the uh, Casa experience for everyone eventually. Uh, that's why, you know, we, uh, some people uh, would go for the Casa note because uh, they, they want to, to have that part of their sovereignty solved. And uh, we just announced two days ago that there is a simple security checklist that we developed for every Bitcoiner that can, he can use for free uh, just to go through his basic security setup. So check what, 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 whether he is using a password manager, whether he uses second factor authentication, uh, uh, just a few simple questions that you click through on our website. When you go to keys.casa, there is John Casa. You, you, you open that and you can just uh, see what's your overall security help. Okay. That's actually and incredibly useful for me. I'm a security engineer at Status and part of my job is because <laughs> yes. um, even in terms of like organizationally, a lot of the, 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 uh, the, the companies that are run that work in this space are also decentralized in, at an organizational level too. And what that means mm -hmm. from a security perspective is that the majority of the problems are, are the people and there's no there's no central infrastructure to protect and so you have to make sure and educate them that they have good security practices which as we've said like the reason for your being in this organization is that people don't typically have good security practices so like checklists like that really help people give themselves a semblance of um an idea of what it means to be secure or like what things they can do like practical applicational things they can do to then boost what they're currently doing to make themselves more of a, of a, like a, I, I call them like a, a good tenant of the internet. Yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Uh, and so we, again, we try to make it as simple as possible. So it really comes to answering yes or no to mm -hmm. a few questions. And then you see your results and see, okay, this is to be fixed and this is how you can fix that. Uh, so I hope that will at least make uh, Bitcoiners uh, more conscious about their security setup. Yeah, that's great. I, I look forward to kind of running through this stuff and seeing how I can incorporate it into, into how I educate others um, mm -hmm. across the space. Oh, and as a security expert, please feel free to give us uh, some feedback on how to make it better, because this is the first step. We will continue to improve on that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, got to start somewhere. And I mean, y'all are doing a great yes. job with like, I mean, with, with your background and, and your experience in this space, you've, you've mainly focused on trying to provide um, people better tools to make better decisions to lead their lives in a, in a, in a more self-sovereign way. And it, it's very clear yes. based on the things that you've put into the space. And like that, uh, that's very appreciated by people like me. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. You know, um, um, it maybe comes down to a little bit to my, uh, personal history and my personal experience. Uh, two, two days ago, as I was uh, uh, revealing my involvement with CASA at, at Crypto Springs uh, in Palm Springs, I, I actually opened my talk with, uh, with my personal background, which I usually don't do. You know, I'm always talking uh, how I got into Bitcoin, but, but how, uh, what, what, what brings me to to fight for freedom uh, and because, you know, I see Bitcoin as the freedom uh, symbol for me and the tool for freedom. Uh, and that's kind of important to to understand uh, my, my path and my motivations. And so a, a lot of people, especially in the US, take uh, freedom for something granted. 
Yeah, um, I think that's true. They, they, they do not realize that m absolute majority of the world uh, doesn't have that. Uh, doesn't have the financial freedom, doesn't have the freedom of movement, freedom of speech. Uh, and I was born in a socialist uh, and communist Czechoslovakia, where people literally were shot when uh, they tried to escape. People were put to jail, put out of job for uh, speaking openly. Uh, they could not transact as they wanted. So, you know, having that experience and then in later adults, uh, adult uh, age, I kind of digested and processed that all what I what I've seen as a child. Uh, that just gave me a very strong conviction that that when I found Bitcoin, that yes, this is something that allows me a, a freedom of freedom to transact. It's a freedom of speech too, as well. Right. So I will tr try my best in my life to to pursue. Uh, this path of a, of a sovereign individual that's secure and free. Um, so that will, you will see me acting on this probably in the future as well. Yeah, I think that's a very important uh, story to share because uh, like you said, at least most of us in the West, like take a lot of things for granted because we've never lost them. And you typically don't um, realize what's important until you lose it mm. and security and your wealth and freedom to do things the way you'd like to is, is a very important thing to have and or a, a very, very difficult thing to get back once you lose it. And even, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even like the, the private wealth, uh, as, as we take it for granted, um, is, is something that that's actually very fragile. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, um, my, my grandfather, he was a successful entrepreneur. He had a car dealership. Um, and in 1948, him and everyone else in my country lost everything. Imagine you're building your business. And one day politicians come and say, this is all ours. Why? Because we're socialists and we think we should distribute wealth from the wealthy to everyone. And as a fact, they made everyone the same poor and the same miserable. Yeah. And so... When I see um, a socialist tendencies, strong socialist tendencies in some Western cultures that have never experienced socialism and its its effects, I'm a little bit worried, and um, I would like to 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 talk about that because that's um, that's that's worrying. That's simply simply worrying because people go after this populist idea of equality and wealth. Mm -hmm distribution not realizing that wealth is nothing not something that's limited and that has to be taken from someone to to you know alleviate the poor from the poverty i see wealth as something that can be created okay and it can be like a, an abundance we, we, we an abundance that we can create opportunities for the ones that are currently poor and help them come out, you know? So, so the socialist idea, ideology of wealth distribution as like taking from the wealthy, taxing the hell out of them and making them poor and making demotivate them from creating job opportunities, from, from risking, from creating like businesses, right? Mm -hmm. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a really um, interesting topic. And I think it should be uh, should be discussed much more. Um, so, you know, someone uh, with, with my experience knows it well, but um, 
I'm really worried about like um, Westerners, especially Americans, not not realizing the uh, the, the consequences of what they're what they're wishing for. Well, the idea sounds good on paper, right? It sounds some, yes. something you can get behind because it it, it yes. seems as though it's a more fair game. But and yes. and actually, well, in practice, the majority of the time, if not all the time, it ends up turning bad. It ends up going in yep. the wrong direction because those ideals are very hard to put into practice. To be fair. Yep. Exactly. And so if you're a Bitcoiner and you have um, at least some part of your wealth in Bitcoin, that's not confiscatable. I hope that's a correct English word. Um, then I, I see uh, that, that uh, you know, you're more secure uh, against these political I, uh, wrong, bad ideas. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, too. It's like it's, it's being more secure because there's no such thing as being... 100% secure. It's about exactly. you know, hardening the practices that you have to move in the right direction versus um, thinking you need to be perfect, which then demotivates you to do anything at all, right? If it's a spectrum and you're going in the right direction, then people are more willing to try new things and do new things and, and work yep. towards something. Exactly. All right. I think that's a great way to wrap up. Do you have anything that I, you wish I would have asked you that I didn't get around to? Oh, um, yes, okay. uh, there, is, uh, there is something, um, you know, apart from CASA that I'm trying to kickstart as well with a couple of other Bitcoiners, and that's called The Bee. Uh, we announced The Bee uh, with Giacomo Zucco last week in, or two weeks ago in Riga, in Latvia, at the Baltic Honey Badger, mm -hmm. uh, as a, uh, a, 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 an effort of, uh, of a few people to uh, to raise uh, you know funds, raise donations, and distribute them towards research and development on top of Bitcoin, um, and towards uh, education of more developers because I feel a strong need uh, mm -hmm. in the space for more developers, uh, more peer, uh, more code reviewers, more application builders, more backend engineers. You name it, uh, uh, but we definitely need more. I feel like short-term Bitcoin has been losing out a little bit on other, you know, coins and ICO projects, and that there's a lot of like brain power in those uh, in those projects, which is okay. But I would like to, you know, focus my efforts on Bitcoin. So we kind of formed this group, uh, which is called the B. It's a foundation, legally speaking. Um, because we have to do a foundation if we, <laughs> we got to operate somewhere money and yeah, yeah, yeah. but basically this is i think uh um, and i and i received a, a ton of very positive feedback and supportive voices like yes alena like we felt the same uh is needed uh, so i feel very positive about that we are currently establishing like the making it operational i hope that will be uh soon I hope way before the end of this year, uh, and so we can soon start to support some some projects, uh, not just around research and development, but also uh, and education, but also creating some fun and lightweight forms for people to interact with Bitcoin. That's great. I like for, that. For people that haven't had the chance because they think Bitcoin is weird, or people that have all these misconceptions in their head that we as Bitcoiners uh, living in our little cute bubble, you know, 
knowing, of course, how it is, right? Mm -hmm. But then, uh, you know, when you interact with the with the outside world, um, and you realize that people really believe that Bitcoin is um, money for criminals, that it's not backed by anything, that uh, the governments can ban it, and that it's like a bad, bad thing to do, you know, like almost like um, the, the, the reality of, of perception of Bitcoin is very different from what, what we as Bitcoiners know. Uh, so I would like to, to try to... Uh, you know, break, create a bridge for for these people to start to be curious, to uh, to experience Bitcoin on another level, uh, to to find and realize for themselves uh, that it's it's absolutely worthy to to look into. Yeah, that's that's, that's really yeah. needed because if you think about what that onboarding process is for for new users, it's typically. Um, this is speaking from experience and people that I know who do the same thing. It's like you know, sign up at Coinbase and buy some. Well, that doesn't really incentivize the, the idea of um, what this thing can be or like what it, how it's different than just using a regular bank, right? It's, that's not much differentiation there to get people to intuit what this technology actually is. And we don't have a really, really, really good way to say like, oh, you're starting, you want to like, you want to, you know, introduce yourself to this technology. Well, go do this thing. This, this should give you a good idea of what we're trying to accomplish here. Or even just like creating a simple game. Yeah, yeah. It's, it doesn't take much. I mean, and more often than not, people don't um, acquire technology for the technology's sake. They're looking for a specific use case that's enabled by that technology, which which forces them to get it. Mm -hmm. That's that's perfect way to put it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, how can people uh, reach out to you and learn more about both Casa and the B? Well, uh, the, the, you know, I'm a Twitter person. Uh, Alena Satoshi is my Twitter handle uh, for CASA-related business opportunities. Either if you if you want to become a client, go to keys.casa, fill out uh, a form. Uh, for business, business B2B opportunities, feel free to email me at Alena at team.casa. And uh, for the B, uh, just go to the B dot foundation or Twitter handle the B underscore foundation. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. Or contact, or contact Giacomo Zucco. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And we're back. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Alina. You said Selena? I thought it was Elena. Alina. Alina Vranova, the head of strategy at uh, Casa. I like heads of strategy because it seems like all you do is like play chess all day, but like not literal chess, but business chess. So, yeah, does this make sense? Is it sustainable? Is it profitable? Uh, is there a market for it? Like, there's a lot of hard questions depending on what you're doing. See, mine's really, my, I try to characterize my decisions like, is this my pawn or is this my knight? Like, am I going to be moving this five moves from now? Or am I going to try to position myself to make this move quicker? You know How much mean? chess do you play? I know you're not very good at it. I used to Tom used to time. kick your ass all the time. No, Tom is great at it. It's not yeah. that I'm not good. At it. No, I, I think played, Tom's I, not great at it. He just knows how to play chess. We know the rules of chess. We don't know really how to play chess. Rules of chess. 
But uh, I think I D, beat my D high beat school. Yeah, I beat, I beat Cello a lot. I beat a lot of people. I beat my high school chess coach, chess teacher of the of the team, the chess team. Oh, so, oh. And then she was like, do you want to join the test team? And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I play football, okay? Dude, you can't so you be you can't be the smart athlete. Why not? Why not be the smart athlete? That's like that's. There's always that guy. You know, they, people always talk about the NFL player that's got like a PhD in something or whatever. I don't know, like engineer. Who I cares? Was the smart athlete, but I also was the sleepy smart athlete. So D, yeah, D was uh, a different beast in high school. I like to catch my Z's, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but um, nevertheless, it was a she, by the way, Chella. Remember Miss Naragon? But anyways, um. Anyway, let, let's get to to wrapping this up. I don't want to go on a tangent. Oh, who uh, who do you got? The McGregor, Khabib, Khabib uh, is winning. We'll know by the time you listen to this. We'll already have known. Uh, Angela, I'm willing to put five bucks on it, like every other fucking time we do this. Well, I mean, I think who are you going with, Cello? I'm going with McGregor, but I think Corey's up like nine, and I'm like at two, so I'm done. No, but okay. Because I know I'm, Khabib's gonna win now. It's just like you're you're too you don't even you barely watch <laughs> MMA, but you're like so good at calling fights. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Khabib. Too. I understand the game, son. <laughs> Look, I understand it too. It, but I just don't think it's gonna go to the ground. As I think soon he can as make it go to the ground. I'm just gonna turn it off. It's Khabib, off dude. Tell tell me, Khabib can't can't put anyone on the ground if he wants to. I'm speechless. I don't I don't know. Yeah, don't he'll know. he'll put him to the ground. It's gonna be hilarious. He's gonna pick him up, throw him on the ground like a rag doll. I just, I just know if the bell doesn't sound, he's not McGregor's not getting back up, and it's over. But tell you're bound to win one of these bets one day. It's a numbers game, man. Just keep throwing them at the wall; yeah. you'll get one. Yeah, that's what you're <laughs> supposed to say when I'm losing all my money. <laughs> keep going, man. Let's up yeah. the bet. Yeah. Up up. Double or nothing. You gotta win it's fine. at some point. Double or nothing. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going with. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. That's who I'm going with. Nobody cares. So. Oh, D, I, I will say. People care. <clears throat> because I know you don't follow MMA, but you remember we had Rory McDonald on like 10 episodes ago? Yeah. He got smashed. That's what he gets. In embarrassing fashion. <laughs> yeah. That's what he gets for not focusing on fighting and focusing on Bitcoin Cash. But he made so much money. So, as I mean, I mean... As a fighter, that's what they're doing. Like the majority of people who fight are trying to make money because they're good at fighting. You care that much? Like it's like, oh, okay, I'll take this L, but I'll still take this a million dollar L. Yeah, let's talk about Conor McGregor when he when he fought Mayweather. Like, do you think he cared that he lost? No, he made like a hundred million dollars. Yeah, like I'm gonna take this L so hard. (laughs) I just. I literally just saw a comedian who's talking about this last night, Gary Owen. He's the white comedian for black people. And he I know it's a lot to take in, but he's a white <laughs> guy that does comedy for black people. Is and that like is that like uh what's his name? Kevin Hart being the black comedian for white people? Uh yeah. Can he say yeah. the N word? Does he get a pass? He does not. He's married to a black woman. He cannot say the N word. Wow. Uh he knows that. He's like, I got all I got black kids and I can't say the N word. In words going around back and forth in my house, and I know I just can't say it. That's the rules. <laughs> I pay the fucking mortgage, and I can't say it. I know the rules. <laughs> so he's like, but what he said, he was like, you know, Kevin Hart had a scandal last year, um, and 
I knew they were going to get back together. You know why? Because that motherfucker's worth $200 million. And his wife knows <laughs> what's up. I was like, oh. <laughs> and she's, he was like, she's going to take that L for $200 million. It's okay. <laughs> I was like, okay. Well, he's got a good point. He's got a great yeah. point. He's like, if my wife was worth $200 million, then she could have three dudes. And I'd be like, yeah, I guess my dick's worth $50 million. Yep. Yeah, fifty million dollar dick. That's fine with me. <laughs> so, anyways, huh? I'd go out with Oprah. Yeah, yeah. It was. Anyways, that I said I, we weren't gonna go on a tangent. We immediately went into one. That's well, been a while. No, that tangent. Uh, so I just wanted to say, like, he had Bitmain on his shorts. Uh, he had a Bitcoin Cash QR code on the on the banner behind him, so you could you could directly pay him while that was on the TV. Oh. Yeah, even though he got smashed, I thought it was pretty innovative. Um, for an MMA fighter to make his entrance. I hope all fighter MMA hat. fighters have, have QR codes on their banners. Oh, yeah? They, okay. They should put sweet. those permit, semi-permanent tattoos on their back of QR codes. You can't you scan can, those. Uh, I don't think that'd be really hard to scan. You, oh. Yeah. But I know Roger Vera was watching that fight, and he was like, God damn it. Nah, he was all happy <laughs> because Bitcoin Cash is all over the place. He's like, you don't Every care what happens. Roy McDonald is throwing is for freedom and feeding babies. <laughs> all right uh, we're done yeah yeah we're done here so thank you guys for listening to another week of the bitcoin podcast uh share it around with your friends uh we're trying to go global baby like a rapper we are right we are bitcoin, global. bitcoin bitcoin we're, that's we're literally my global. money yeah we are global but we'll be i want to be at the end of the month yeah that's my bread don't need no honey chain. yeah that's my bread i don't don't be no honey that's a great course your kids are going uh, the babies, off right now. Mute your yeah, mind. babies are acting up, so we got to let you guys go. Listen to the other shows. There's a shit ton of them. We love you guys. Uh, shout out to Zoe Saldana, Carla Lewis, and uh, Zazie Beats. Who is Zazie Beats? I don't know who that is. Deadpool. Zaz- she played Domino. Deadpool. Yeah, she played Domino and Deadpool. Google her. Oh, Zazie okay. Beats. Cool. That's a cool name, too. Yeah, it is. All right. Yeah. Say it. She's the black girl in that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like- yeah, she's she's yeah okay. Play she's uh what do you call say it? Black Black Widow is what Deadpool called her. <laughs> All right, play the outro.